All right, so we're going to start tonight by finishing. We're, <laughs> we're at the very last section of chapter 5, so we're going to try to finish up chapter 5 real quick. Um, we're looking at the last section on the doctrine of divine providence. So, <clears throat> section 7 says, The providence of God in a general way includes all creatures, but in a special way it takes care of His church and arranges all things to its good. Very short, uh, yet very impactful statement. Section 7 is a very brief but important statement. It says, providence of God in a general way includes all creatures, but in a special way it takes care of His church and arranges all things to its good. That is, God decrees and brings about through general providence all things whatsoever come to pass. This providence is all-encompassing in that it includes every molecule of creation over every moment of time. However, there is a special providence within the context of his general providence whereby he cares and provides specifically for his people and causes all the events of history to work together for our good. <clears throat> Lewis Burkhoff explains the distinction. He says, quote, There are not two kinds of providence, but the same providence exercised in two different relations. The term special providence, however, may have a more specific connotation and in some cases refers to God's special care for his rational creatures. Some even speak of a very special providence with reference to those who stand in special relationship of sonship to God. Special providences are special combinations in the order of events as in the answer to prayer and deliverance out of trouble and in all instances in which grace and help come in critical circumstances, end quote. So that's basically saying um, we just prayed uh, before we started this lesson. We just prayed for the persecuted church. We prayed for uh, healings. Um, we prayed for a mission trip. <clears throat> well, the answer to those prayers is an example of God exercising this special providence. Um few scriptural references real quick. Um, start with Isaiah 43. <clears throat> and uh, we'll look at verses 1 through 21. So Isaiah 43, 1 through 21. <clears throat> Excuse me, I'll get my throat cleared in a minute. <laughs> yes. All right, Isaiah 43, 1 through 21. But now thus says the Lord, He who created you, O Jacob, He who formed you, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overwhelm you. When you walk through fire, you shall not be burned, and the flames shall not consume you. See, this is God intervening, if you want to think of it in those terms, in space, time, in history, for the good of His people. He says, For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. I give Egypt as your ransom, Cush and Seba in exchange for you, because you are precious in my eyes and honored, and I love you. I give men in return for you, peoples in exchange for your life. Fear not, for I am with you. I will bring your offspring from the east and from the west. I will gather you 
I will say to the north, give up, and to the south, do not withhold. Bring my sons from afar and my daughters from the end of the earth, everyone who is called by my name, whom I created for my glory, whom I formed and made. Bring out the people who are blind, yet have eyes, who are deaf, yet have ears. All the nations gather together and the peoples assemble. Who among them can declare this and show us the former things? Let them bring their witnesses to prove them right, and let them hear and say, It is true. You are my witnesses, declares the Lord, and my servant whom I have chosen, that you may know and believe me and understand that I am he. Before me no God was formed, nor shall there be any after me. I, I am the Lord, and besides me there is no Savior. I declared and saved and proclaimed when there was no strange God among you, and you are my witnesses, declares the Lord, and I am God. Also henceforth I am He. There is none who can deliver from my hand. I work, and who can turn it back? Thus says the Lord your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel. For your sake I send to Babylon, and bring them all down as fugitives, even the Chaldeans and the ships in which they rejoice. I am the Lord, your Holy One, the Creator of Israel. Your king, thus says the Lord, who makes a way in the sea, a path in the mighty waters, who brings forth chariot and horse, army and warrior. They lie down, they cannot rise, they are extinguished, quenched like a wick. Remember not the former things, nor consider the things of old. Behold, I am doing a new thing, now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? I will make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. The wild beasts will honor me, the jackals and the ostriches. For I give water in the wilderness, rivers in the desert, to give drink to my chosen people, the people whom I formed for myself, that they might declare my praise. Pretty vivid picture of how God actually is active in human history um, for the benefit of his people. Alright, next passage will be in Amos. Amos chapter 9. We're going to read verses 8 through 15, but we're especially focusing on verses 8 and 9. Okay? Uh, So Amos 9, 8 through 15. Behold, the eyes of the Lord God are upon the sinful kingdom, and I will destroy it from the surface of the ground, except that I will not utterly destroy the house of Jacob, declares the Lord. For behold, I will command and shake the house of Israel among all the nations, as one shakes with a sieve, but no pebble shall fall to the earth. All the sinners of my people shall die by the sword, who say, Disaster shall not overtake to meet, uh, or meet us. In that day I will raise up the booth of David that has fallen and repair its breaches and raise up its ruins and rebuild it as in the days of old that they may possess the remnant of Edom and all the nations who are called by my name, declares the Lord who does this. 
Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when the plowman shall overtake the reaper, and the treader of grapes, him who sows the seed. The mountains shall drip sweet wine, and all the hills shall flow with it. I will restore the fortunes of my people Israel, and they shall rebuild the ruined cities and inhabit them. They shall plant vineyards and drink their wine, and they shall make gardens and eat their fruit. I will plant them on their land, and they shall never again be uprooted out of the land that I have given them, says the Lord your God. All right, Matthew 6. This will be verses 25 through 34. Matthew 6, 25 through 34. And this is uh, Jesus who is speaking. He says, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Okay, general providence. Right there. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field. How they grow, they neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? There's special providence. Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, Do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. All right, flip over one chapter in Matthew 7. That's right, and that shows that uh, God actually is in control and does specially provide for his people. So what did you say, I'm sorry? Matthew 7, uh, and this will be verses 7 through 11. So this is actually part of the same sermon. Um, so still Jesus speaking he says ask and it will be given to you seek and you will find knock and it will be opened to you for everyone who asks receives and the one who seeks finds and to the one who knocks it will be opened or which one of you if his son asks for bread will give him a stone or if he asks for a fish will give him a serpent if you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children how much more will your father who is in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him All right, and then one more in Matthew, Matthew 16. This will be verses 13 through 20. Which may not be clear at first, but I think by the end of the passage it will be clear why, why I included this one in Providence. All right, it says, Now when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, Who do people say that the Son of Man is? And they said, Some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. He said to them, But who do you say that I am? Simon Peter replied, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered them, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, 
For flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. Okay, first of all, God revealed it, so there's providence. And I tell you, you are Peter, or small rock, and on this rock, big rock, I will build my church. Here we go. This is the reason I included it for providence. I will build my church, and the gates of hell, or Hades, shall not prevail against it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. And he strictly charged the disciples to tell no one that he was the Christ. The point being, Christ will build his church in space and time, therefore providence. All right, uh, two more passages on this topic. First, Romans 8. And I'm not just including the golden chain this time. We're going to go a little further this time. We are going to start in verse 28. I know we read this a lot, but um, this is uh, this is also going to include more than providence, but it'll include providence in it. So starting at Romans 8:28, and then we're just going to go through the end of the chapter. It says, And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to His purpose. Well, how, how do we have a guarantee that all things are going to work together for good unless God's the one that's working them together, right? For those whom He foreknew, He also predestined to be conformed to the image of His Son in order that He might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? Notice all these things happen in space and time. As it is written, for your sake we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death nor life nor angels nor rulers nor things present nor things to come nor powers nor height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Why is that? Because God uses his providence to preserve his saints. And then final passage, 1 Timothy 4. <clears throat> Just one verse. 1 Timothy 4, verse 10. For to this end we toil and strive because we have our hope set on the living God who is the Savior of all people, especially of those who believe. So there's special favor there. All right, that will conclude the chapter on God's providence. Any thoughts or discussion before we move on to something else? All right, if not, we'll, um, we'll end that chapter there.